Oh, sorry, Terry. Go. What are you... No, I was just going to say, I, uh, I put the episode up on my phone and I'm kind of watching it remind me again as no i like that i think phil phil does the same thing actually when we're uh when we're recording so we are back for our final episode of uwf television with terry canova how are you doing today terry i mean i asked that question we everyone knows we've recorded all three the three of these back to back so not much has changed presumably in the last hour or so come on steven kayfabe kayfabe i know i know i just can't keep the kayfabe up (laughs) and now here's a question even though we were just talking off air about how many tangents i've taken us down and you've got your limited time I want to, I've got a question to keep you on the hop, keep your brain ticking while we're doing this. What TV shows are dominating the Canova household at the moment? So is there anything you you and your wife are into that's dominating your TV at, at this present time? Well, so uh, it's a good question. So the the Game of Thrones, the the new the new one is yes, has been coming up. yeah. But, so what we what we're trying to do is trying to let it get a couple episodes in so mm. we can watch a bunch at a time. But we did get anxious and we did watch the first episode, but we were we kind of was doing so much. We, we, we think we're going to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, a, it's not a phone one, that one, is it? It's, there's so much going on. You've got, you've got to concentrate. I, I think it's been right. good so far. No spoilers, but it's 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 interesting. I really like Matt Smith as well. So he's uh, he's really good. So I think it's worth it's worthwhile keeping keeping with that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So 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 that's on our radar. There's um, I forget the name of Steve Martin and um, uh, Martin Short have have a series uh, about the murders in the building or something. It's it's kind of a comedy murder mystery. They podcasters uh, who they podcast true crime and they get caught solving a crime. It's a fun fun show, entertaining show. Uh, no murders in the building or something along that. Oh, line. only murders in the building. I haven't heard that. Is that, yes. what, is that what's that on? What's is that on? Uh, it's either Hulu or Netflix. Uh, we have them both, so um, it's one of those. Oh, but but definitely, yeah, definitely worth a watch. It's a fun show, and it's got a lot of twists and turns, and and uh, uh, they got very one very very the episode we just saw, and I won't give any spoils. Let's just say it is one of the most unique episodes of any show I've ever seen. Oh, really? I'm very intrigued. It's on Hulu in the States. So I don't know, Hulu. I don't know where that is here. Uh, maybe it's Netflix and you, because we don't, I don't think we have Hulu. We, I'm pretty sure we don't have Hulu. We have everything. We haven't got Hulu and we've got a weird version really? of Peacock, but nothing, nothing that's on Peacock and not a lot of the stuff that's on Peacock in the States is, is on Peacock here. So we've got like a weird Peacock. We've got Disney plus Netflix, Amazon prime, uh i just assumed it, assumed everything was global now so no hulu no i don't know why hulu i uh, matt do you know what I, I could be lying about that because there are uh, there are a load of you of um uh no yeah hulu's not a thing here i don't think by the by the looks of things can you get hulu in the uk no so hulu's not a thing i don't know why the, th- the thing with it is though that those that though there's um kind of global stuff like go like netflix obviously everywhere it's not like netflix uk might own some content but then netflix us might not so like for example the michael jordan documentary i don't know what where that aired in the states but we had that on netflix but i think that was that hbo in in the states i can't remember what what uh, what that was on back whenever that, see, that i was... watched it i watched it on hulu but it was oh, okay. tied into something else yeah 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 exactly so it's all it's all a bit of a i mean i need to cut that between crikey between i've got so what have I got wrestling stream? I've got Wrestle Universe. I think I've watched once, which has got like DDT and Noah and Tokyo Joshi Pro on. 
I've got Stardom World, I've got New Japan World, I've got WWE Network, and I've got Fight TV for the AEW stuff. I need to, I need to, I've got a problem. <laughs> that is too many wrestling streamers. I need to get rid of it. But I, I, Stardom, we talked about that. Yeah, that that is my number one promotion of the year. I love Stardom. You literally put a Stardom show on. Their house shows, no commentary at all. So it's just that, and it's like 10 minute matches, 10, 10 15 minute matches. Everyone can work. Great fun. It's just, it's just brilliant. It's literally, and some, the theme tunes are great. It's just a smile on my face. All women's wrestling, it's just brilliant. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, I can't, I I, I can't recommend. Yeah, so they, they have some stuff on YouTube. So, um, so you know what? When I, when, when I know they've got some, some stuff that they put up from like a past show that's a particularly good one, I'll shoot you a link over. But if you like women's wrestling, they're all so good as well. Like you look, you watch them. There's a girl in uh, Stardom called Hanan who's I think either 18 or 19, and she's like there. Uh, she's, a, she's she's called Future future of stardom champions it's like they i was to say kids champion it's not kids it's like they're kind of juniors if you like um yeah. and she's so good like and, and there's a stop there's been a story recently it's, it's finished now by the time this airs but they're kind of like big singles tournament like a, a round robin thing but she just loses to everyone so she's against these like main event people and she gets really close to winning but then she loses so at some point she's going to win one of those and like the crowd's yeah. just going to go ballistic but it's just such it's so simple, but it's just so brilliant. And like, and also her matches are always first on their pay-per-views. She's always out first because she's future starting champion. So she's always the opener. And the opener is usually like 12. It's never like these long matches, like 12 minutes. It's just such a good fight. I can't recommend starting up. Sorry, I, we're tight for time and I've got loads, loads of tangents there. Any more TV shows before we get on with this uh, with the review? Uh, you know, my, my, my old rusty memory, it's just so bad. My wife gets on me all the time because I will start one and then we'll jump on to another. Uh, but, but I know there's gotta be something else out there. I just, I'm, I'm blank right now. Do, do you, do you, your wife uh, allow reality TV into the Canova household? Are you not, not big fans? Okay. So she, that's her go-to when mm. I'm not around. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll watch we'll watch shows. We'll watch football. We'll watch all of that together. But if I'm away, it's reality TV. Yeah. The only the only ones I'll watch is like uh, America's Got Talent. We'll watch. Oh, okay. I'll, yeah. I enjoy that. Is Simon Cowell still on that? Yes. Yeah. The golden buzzer. You know, we both crying. Yeah. You know, uh, but 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 that's that's my extent of reality TV. Give her a tip from the Guttridge household. You can say to her that um, Love is Blind on Netflix, if she's not watched it before, is absolutely incredible. Love, Love is Blind. Blind. Love is Blind. That is, and we, ju- we just started watching the latest series and we are obsessed. It's so, so good. So yeah, that's that's our, our recommendation. Right, on to the show. Um, Ross said that there's that he's alone this week as Michael Hayes uh, has asked him to meet him in the ring after the opening segment. And Ross called the thing with Dark Journey a totally disgusting situation. We'd also have two title matches on the show. The Fantastics putting the tag titles on the line versus John Tatum and Jack Victory. And then he didn't tell us who the TV title match would be. And we'd also have the Angel of Death debuting. Up first, Rick Steiner and Sting against Ice Banking Parsons and Ross's good friend, Charbo Guerrero. Should Ross have good friends as wrestlers? Where's the integrity there? Uh, you know, I think I think back then, the, the, you know, the, the 
the good guys were so wholesome that yeah. you couldn't help but be their friend. <laughs> yes. You had to invite everyone to the bar, definitely. I bet they had such good nights out. I'm a bit jealous. You, couldn't, you can't get a time machine and go on a night out with the UWF crew, to be honest. Um, no, though I wouldn't look very good next to Rick Steiner, who looks absolutely gigantic here. And as I said a couple of weeks back, I think he, he'd been on the Titan Sports Protein Shakes long before he was ever in Titan Sports land. Um, and I think then whatever he had must have had a little extra boost for them that month. He also nearly killed Iceman King Parsons with the clothesline directly to his cheek during this match. Um, Steiner hit a backdrop on Guerrero, but he landed on his feet in what was a really good spot. Eventually, Chavo rolled up Steiner, but the ref was distracted. Sting then jumped off the top rope with the clothesline, which was a DQ because it was off the top. Um, I've speculated in recent weeks as to whether that rule had gone away, but obviously it was still a rule, so this, this was confirmed. Um, the match went about 3.30, and I thought this was good fun while it lasted. What did you think of our opener here? Yeah, w watching this, uh, I've I've forgotten. You know, Chavo, man, Chavo Guerrero was really good. Uh, yeah, he was he was kind of one of those guys. What was was ahead of his time with with, with some of the moves and and uh, he he always had you know some unique moves that you just didn't see every day. And so so he's always fun to watch. In uh, a smaller guy and kind of always the underdog because he was a smaller guy, especially against some of these guys in the UWF. Yeah, um, but, but enjoyable match. Yeah, good stuff. After the break, we had Jim Ross in the ring and he talks about how much he had been enjoying calling the show without Michael, ha Michael Hayes? Michael Hayes there bothering him. He said Michael did make an interview and had a... He said, what am I saying in these notes? He said Michael did make an interview and had a surprise for us. Don't know what that means. Basically, Michael's asked this time and he had a surprise for us is what I meant to say. Um, we had some back... We had some music in the background and then a shot backstage with a limo coming in. Hayes came out first. Ross said, there's PS or BS, whatever you want to call him. Ross said, surprise time, right? Hayes said, that's right, baby. They're like the mailman. When they promise a surprise, they deliver. And then Ross tried to crack a gag about Hayes only showing so far that he could use the yellow page by renting a limo. But he slightly botched this gag, didn't he? And I felt so sorry for Ross because obviously... This is quite, it was quite a funny joke and the crowd did react to it still, but he just didn't quite get it, did he? didn't quite land it. And I bet this kept him awake that night because it's just like, oh, I just, oh, I just wanted to get this joke across. Hayes then said that the surprise would turn, <laughs> Hayes then, sometimes I forget what I've written in my notes. Hayes then said that the surprise would turn people on, weird. Uh, Buddy Jack then came out of the limo uh, with a short haired blonde lady who Hayes called the number one woman in all of wrestling. He's talking about the lovely Sunshine. So Sunshine had been a mainstay in world class between 1983 and 1986. She first acted as a valet for her real-life cousin, Jimmy Garvin, um, having also done that job in Florida in 1982. She managed such names as Chris Adams, Scott Casey, the great Kabuki, and Lance Von Erich before reuniting with Adams when he turned back babyface. So seemingly here, she was coming in in the heel role, and Sunshine was out in a hot pink dress, an off-the-shoulder number, in fact. Hayes said that everyone needs to understand that no one messes with the Freebirds. Sunshine was given the mic and said that people hadn't ever seen her with a loser, and she wasn't going to disappoint you now. She said she's with, with the winners, the world universal champion Terry Gordy, plus a TV champion Jack Roberts, and or buddy Jack Roberts, I should say. And if that wasn't enough, she's close to P.S. Hayes, um, and nothing more needs to be said. She, he threw the mic to Ross and called him Spanky. Um, I'm not super familiar with Sunshine's work, um, but I thought she was good in her brief promo here. Uh, what did you make of this segment and her introduction into the UWF? 
Yeah, I, you know, I was familiar with her uh, watching uh, World Class with Devon Eriks. Uh, she was, like you mentioned, she was Jim Garvin's manager. And then uh, they interjected her in some feuds there in World Class. And I'm trying to think, uh, somebody had a, I forgot who the other female was that she, she feuded with. In was World it, I Class. think it was higher. Not in World Class, not the, at least not the one I, that I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, um, I'm sure you'll be able to find it much quicker than, than, than me, but but there was somebody that that she feuded with. Precious, and, and, uh, precious, precious, yes, yeah. Precious. And and I believe Precious might might been uh, Jim Garvin's real wife. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. And so, uh, but but Sunshine, you know, she was one that that I thought was was good. Uh, again, not on Missy Hyatt level but definitely above Dark Journey, in, in my opinion. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, shade being thrown at Dark Journey, isn't there, alas? But horses for courses, horses for courses. I don't know why. That's all right, it's all right. Uh, quick victory in Tatum backstage promo about the upcoming tag title match, um, followed by the fantastic standard fair for these we talked about. Back on the main show, Hayes was sat with Ross and Sunshine in the background. Ross said the surprise was certainly there. And Hayes said they always back up what they say. And he's looking forward to the big Superdome show. Um, next up, Gary Young versus the debuting Angel of Death. The Angel of Death got on the microphone and interrupted the ring announced introduction of him and said he was from Los Angeles, California. He was six foot seven and weighed 322 pounds and not to ever forget it. Hayes said this isn't the sort of guy you'd want turning up at home to date your daughter, uh, unlike Terry Taylor. Um, this was David Sheldon, who later appeared as a black scorpion um, and Russian assassin number one in Jim Crockett promotions. Um, Hayes said they weren't taking applications at the moment, but he could be Freebird's material. Um, Sheldon won this with a clothesline from the second rope and one. Third. I don't know why I've called him Sheldon there. It feels like I'm trying to be like really inside by rather than calling him. The angel of death won in one third. That's like a ret, like someone shouting out, like Phil at CM Punk at the airport or something, trying to be cool. Um, right. I wasn't trying to do that. Uh, the Angel of Death, I thought, looked older than the 33 years he was at the time of this taping. And while he was big, I didn't I didn't think that this look was amazing, really. What did you think of this debut here? Nothing about the Angel of Death ever appealed to me. I, yeah. I, again, I, th I think that at the time, UWF has some of the best heels around and he just didn't fit for me. He, ne he never did. No, no, I completely agree. Uh, right. Where are we? The computerized ratings were next um, set to an absolutely, an absolute epic tune in between days by the cure. Were you a cure fan back in the day, Terry? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Love the cure. Saw them in Dallas, Texas in concert. Uh, may have even saw him in New Orleans once. Loved Robert Smith and the cure. One of my all time favorite bands. Yep. This is such a good song. And this song's had a bit of a revival um, in the UK because it was um, it was it was used in a very popular uh, kind of kind of late teen comedy called The Inbetweeners. I think there was a US version of this, but I, but I don't think it was particularly good. But it was a, it was like Inbetweeners was they weren't like the, the complete kind of geeks at school, but they weren't, and they weren't the really coolest kids. They were like a group of four guys that were right in the middle. And it came out in like 2008, I think 2009. And it was just, it was, I think it was three series. 
they all went on a boy's holiday at the, at the end of a film and it was incredible. And that was used in one of the early episodes. So it's kind of like repopularized. And actually you hear it a bit of sport here. Like I remember coming out of Fulham a couple of times and they played this after, after the game. So it's like, it is, and you hear it on the radio all the time now. So I love it. And actually I'm going to play our, play this week's episode out as well with that. So I've already downloaded it. So you, nice. if you don't know, if you don't know what we're talking about, you'll hear it at the end. Um, Buddy Jack Roberts defending the TV title next against jumping Jim Savoldi. On commentary, Hayes talks about Steve Williams, whose return to the promotion was imminent. Um, at just under three minutes of good action, Terry Taylor came down to the ring as Hayes protested that he shouldn't be at ringside without a manager's license. At just under four minutes, Roberts threw Savoldi over the top rope for the DQ loss. He then called Taylor in, who took off his suit jacket, and these two then went at it. Taylor got the better of him as Ross screamed that the crowd was frenzied. He hit him with the forearm and then counted Roberts down twice. So basically kind of did the three count himself. And that was not an official pinfall, Terry. Uh, what did you make of the match in the aftermath here? Well, the the, the match was what you would expect. Uh, the aftermath, to, to be honest, if, if I were watching that at the time, I would be excited to, to see, uh, to buy a ticket and watch Terry Taylor and Buddy Roberts wrestle because Again, while while I thought Terry Taylor was was popular, he was he was really really good. He wasn't on Duggan's level, you, mm. you know. He wasn't on DiBiase's level. So so him against Buddy Roberts would be a fun one to see at an arena. Him against Buddy Landell would be a fun yeah. one to see at an arena. So so yeah, I, I thought that's a cool cool way to sell tickets. Definitely backstage, Hyatt was with Eddie Gilbert, Stephen Steiner. Gilbert called Sting and Steiner the best two young wrestlers in the world and with Hyatt by their side. Uh, what? Uh, oh, sorry. And with Hyatt by his side, he's just started winning matches and he's win more great matches in the future. Back at the desk, Hayes said that Buddy had been ripped off and it wasn't going to work. Ross protested that Taylor had been invited in by Buddy. Ross then threw a clip uh, then, crikey. <laughs> it's been a long recording session. I need to learn how to read again. Ross then threw to a clip from the commercial break. Uh, Sunshine was tending to Buddy. Hayes was in the ring and he said he wasn't standing for it. Taylor had no right to be out there. So sorry, this bit was from the commercial, but was, was taped and then shown thereafter. Um, Roberts then took the mic and shouted at Hayes that this was his battle. He'd never been more humiliated in his life and then continued to shout in a barely understandable way. He then challenged Taylor to a match as Hayes and Sunshine tried to stop him, and he told them to mind their own business. So I wondered if trouble was afoot in the Freebirds. What did you think of this? Yeah, just, uh, again, a little bit of a teaser, and, uh, you know, let, let, let's, see, let's see what's coming. Indeed. Devastation Incorporated were in the ring, and Savannah Jack came out by himself to confront the group. I thought he was wearing an exceptional looking pink floral shirt. And I think this is this shirt was too good to do battle in, I think. This is this is something you see on Bourbon Street, I think, not necessarily in a wrestling match. I'm a big fan of a floral shirt. Um, he took a look in the ring and then went back down the aisle way. Um, and, I, and I thought, actually, he's going to protect this shirt here and he's going to do a, you know, for a lovely night out rather than this, uh, this fight. But sense did not prevail and Jack came back down by himself. Um, however, this time... Um, sorry, however, eventually, after time had seemingly stood still, Duggan, Parsons, Adams and Guerrero came down with him and this led to a big brawl with Skandar's crew. Duggan smacked Irwin with his boot and then departed. Adams had a great white world's gym vest on and we then got some 80s music to end. What was a satisfying segment, I feel? What did you think of this? Yeah, you got you got all the big stars in there. You, uh, 
I, I, I do think uh, the, the the shirt, the pink shirt, uh, definitely Bourbon Street esque. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Danny, I've only ever been on Bourbon Street once, alas, Terry, unfortunately. I think I might have told you this story before. So I went to uh, the Lakefront Arena for a Ring of Honor show while my wife and uh, another friend, a couple of friends of ours from Australia and another couple who we knew as well went out on Bourbon Street. So I, by the time I met them after the Ring of Honor show that went on, it must have been five and a half hours, way too long. I got them, got to them about 1 a.m. And I think it's fair to say that Bourbon Street had taken its toll on that, that party of five because they were all absolutely obliterated. So it was basically, I, I, I was hoping that we'd have a bit of a night out together, but it was they were all way too gone. So it was about rounding them up and getting an Uber back to our hotel. But that was it, basically. We're only in New Orleans for another two days, so I didn't get to experience it. Though, actually, to be fair, we did have a beer down there during the day, so hopefully it'll be a, t- a place I go back to at some point. But yeah, I didn't get the full experience, alas. Unfortunately, Bourbon Street, it's, it's you know, it's always been a little sketchy. Yeah, uh, but but it's it's gotten a little more dangerous there, and and uh, I'll I'll admit, my wife and I were there last Saturday. Mm. Uh, we were we were in New Orleans the night before Saints uh, Saints game, celebrating her birthday, and and I wanted to go down, and and uh, you know I, every now and then I like to partake in a little absinthe, and uh, they got a place oh, yeah. called the Old Absinthe House there, <laughs> and uh, so we went there, got got an absinthe, and uh, but. My wife, the, the vibe my wife was getting from just the, the clientele down there wasn't good. Oh, so, sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah we, we, we made a quick, quick escape from there, but but it had a great weekend nonetheless. But yeah, a Bourbon Street just didn't have the the fun festive vibe it normally has. It had, oh. it had a little more, a little more edgy vibe. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame. You do get that sometimes. You just get wrong, wrong, wrong set of people in the wrong bar at the wrong time and it just yep. spoils it for everyone, doesn't it? It's interesting it's about absinthe. I've only ever had it once in my life and I had it unknowingly as well. So we were, we went down to, so Bournemouth is where my wife's from actually, funnily enough, but so Fulham were playing Bournemouth in a football match in Bournemouth, so an away game. We travelled down on, on the train, which is like two and a half hours from London. Um, and it was a game where if Fulham won, we won the league below the Premier League to get promoted again. So we were, I think we were already promoted. If So yeah, we were already up. So, so top two go up. But if we won that game, we'd have won the league. So like, and they, and they were our rivals. So it's between us who won the league, but both of us were probably going to go up. Now, um, so we went to a, like at this bar beforehand and of course we ordered some cocktails. Like what, what more could you possibly do? And then I found out after I drank mine, it had absinthe in it and we were absolutely blotted. Like first drink of the day, 12 o'clock, <laughs> three o'clock kickoff. And and me and three friends, I think four of us had it actually. We were all like, I had to have a, I had a, I had a double espresso coffee to sort myself out after that because I had a long day. And then full of my fortune, we were winning until the last minute, gave a penalty away and drew. We still did end up winning the league, but um, yeah, it wasn't, it was a long day, bad day. And absent didn't help in my, uh, my emotions that day, unfortunately. Um, I suppose that's that's less of a thing away day travel in the states. I suppose you probably get to go to the odd game because the distances is probably less of a. I guess it's less of a thing, really, isn't it, in terms of traveling away with your team? Very, very a lot of people do it. I have friends that do it, but yeah. uh, but but I have I've I've done it on a handful of occasions, mm. but not not very often. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, even the longest away game um, is probably no more than three and a half hours on a train, I guess, to up to like the northeast, like Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough. But other than that, you can pretty much maybe Swansea in southwest Wales is is 
maybe a little bit longer than that but you can get everywhere in four hours but obviously you'd be you know where can you get in four hours it's not a flight basically yeah four four is the closest uh no five i guess is the closest uh to go to atlanta and then wow okay yeah yeah Yeah. so that's a that's a big difference but yeah away days is is a you you away day football is such good fun because they because they, they segregate the crowd. So you've just got a little section. So you've got like a block, let's say Bournemouth would have been 1,500 of us and 12,000 of them. So you're stuck yeah. in the little corner just by yourself. And then the ones that are always, always really good, especially in the division below the Premier League, is you'd have a lot of midweek away days. So you'd always go and stay. So you'd go up somewhere and stay overnight in that town, which is always sometimes a little bit interesting, but it's always good when you win, when you win the game and you can you go out and go out and party and stuff afterwards. And quite a lot of northern towns in, this, in the UK are like uni towns. So things yeah. are always, whatever night you're there, it's busy. So you can always find like a bar and some good times. Right, back to UWF in 1986 and not away days. We've got our tag team title match here. So we've got Hollywood John Tatum versus, uh, Hollywood John Tatum and Jack Victory versus the our heroes the fantastics um they were out in powder blue jackets while ross promoted again the popeye sponsored superdome spectacular um and ross said if they had time we'd also see buddy jack roberts and terry taylor tv title um if i was sat at home watching this in 86 i just want the fantastics to hurry up with their entrance so i could see the tv title match as well um hurry up they did not but in a huge shocker after six minutes and 28 seconds we have new tag team champions tommy rogers came off the middle rope with a body press on victory. The ref was trying to get Fulton out of the ring and behind his back, Tatum dropped a big elbow on the back of his head. And that was enough for the one, two, three. And Hayes said it, Hayes said they did it without missing. They did it on their own. And this was pretty clean in the grand scheme of things. I know it was behind the referee's back, but actually it was someone in the match did the move that led to the finish. This was quite surprising. They didn't like make a big effort for the fantastic cheated out of this. Um, and also, they'd be sticking around for the next few months, which made this title change even more perplexing. What did you think of this? And, and, and were you shocked? Did you know this was coming, this title change? Or were you quite shocked by this? No, no. As, as a matter of fact, you know, I was preparing myself to just basically say, okay, you know, here's a uh, a fill-in tag team match, you know, to to fill, fill a spot on the show, mm. to elevate the Fantastics a little more against – you know, two heels that are, that are getting a little TV time and nope. Nope. <laughs> upset. <laughs> yeah. A big upset. I mean, fair, fair, fair play. I mean, I, I don't mind um, victory and uh, Tatum. I quite no. like Tatum actually, but yeah, just a bit of a shocker. Um, and then we were straight into the TV title match after the break with Taylor and Roberts brawling from the get-go with a little under three minutes of TV time remaining. Uh, a minute and a half in, it appeared Taylor had flipped Buddy over the top rope. So it would have been the DQ, but not a title loss. Uh, he remonstrated with the referee that he hadn't meant to flip him over the top rope. Buddy tried to hit Taylor with Devious's loaded glove, but missed. Taylor brought him back in and still argued with the ref. And Buddy then smashed him with a loaded glove and rubbed his face into the mat as the ref called for the bell. And I'm not sure whether the ref had seen the glove or not here. I'm guessing so. Um, but this was a pretty confusing end to an otherwise good and really newsworthy week of television on that title change. Um, so Terry, what did you think of this closing angle and what are your final thoughts on this November the 8th, 1986 episode of the Universal Wrestling Federation? Yeah, a l- l- little bit confusing. Um, like you said, uh, I preferred last week's episode a little more. And I guess part of it was, you know, that those the in, insertion shots of, of DiBiase and Gordy's bloodbath, yeah. you know? Uh, so if you, if you listen to this week and you hadn't heard last week, uh, 
you you really need to go back if you if you love the gore and the blood and guts uh you need to go to last week's episode for sure because uh we, we got treated to about as bloody a face of terry gordy as you would see and and the ring was ecw-esque yes it, it was uh, it was just just blood splatters all over the uh the mat uh, so good episode i like last week's a little bit better because of because of what, what i mentioned but uh but but good nonetheless. Yeah, I think again this this is uh, I think there was a, a period of a few weeks where it wasn't amazing an amazing watch. But I think is is it this is solid wrestling television again. Like we we buy a ticket if this is in our in our hometown. There's enough over people. I just feel a little bit sad because I know, I know the end, I know the end of Watts is UWF is is nigh. And while I will stick with it through eighty seven, I just don't feel like it will be quite the same knowing that it's not Bill Watts anymore, which is which is not all that far away now. Um, but yeah, there we go. Hopefully we'll, we'll hear your voice on the show uh, at least a few times, hopefully before that big moment, I'm going to have to do something for that final, final what's episode. And, and, and I haven't worked out what it's going to be yet, but that's quite a thing really in terms of this promotion being sold. So yeah, we'll have to work something out for that. Yeah. Th- th- thankfully for me, I was, uh, again, I was away, like we mentioned in, in the army during this time and then in college, you know, soon after. And so thankfully I had things to distract me because, because, you know, growing up in Mid-South territory and watching, being a huge fan of the sport and watching it every week, uh, man, that had been, that had been hard to swallow had this happened a little bit earlier. Yeah. And it's something I've never had to go. I mean, even like RevPro is our kind of London promotion that I had loads of great memories going to see them. And I think I've seen them, only I've only seen the WWF WWE more live than them now, and I'm catching up because you should go see them four or five times a year. But it's not the same, like a British indie is not the same as this thing that you grew up with. So, you know, I, I, I think this would have really been a massive kick in the teeth to a lot of people kicking the kick in the teeth and kick, kicking the teeth and kicking the guts at the same time, really, like a double whammy. So, yeah, but we've, we've got plenty of what's UWF still to go before that time. And um, Terry, thank you so much again for three great episodes. And, and again, as I say, we'll, we'll get you back on the show before too long. And good luck to the Saints. I'll be keeping an eye out for your scores um, and also trying to send some, there's some good vibes I'm trying to send across the pond to you. As I said, we said a couple of weeks back, hopefully you're what, four and one, five and one or something by the time this airs. So yeah, fingers crossed. That's right. Well, look, man, you, you know it. It's always great to uh, to sit in and, and visit with you. I appreciate it. I love, love reliving Mid-South, uh, but particularly love reliving it with you on here on the podcast. So it's always fun. It's good to see your face and, uh, uh, you know, good health and happiness to you and your, your family. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, ditto, Terry, to all of that. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And we should speak to you all again very, very soon.